Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. Father, I pray that your Spirit speaks to me and through me this morning. Let your word and your voice echo in this room. In the mighty name of Jesus. Arm us, Lord, with your spirit, with your word, so that when we step out of here, we become all that you have called us to be and to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 to 8. So I'll just read it. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul each for his sons and daughters but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God and David said to Abiathar the priest the son of Ahimelech bring me the ephod so Abiathar brought the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord shall I pursue after this band shall I overtake them he answered him Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and shall rescue. Amen. Amen. So let me just give you a bit of a background. What's happening here is David is still on the run from Saul, King Saul. Yeah? And he goes and he, he's a refugee with the Philistines. And not just um, does he camp there, he befriends them and he actually tells the Philistines that, see, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight my people with you. And the general of the Philistines loved David so much because, you know, David is just this amazing guy. Like, he has a large heart like me. So, like, everybody loves him. Yeah? But some nobles, some, high, some um, princes or so, they come and they see David. And they call the general, like, isn't this David? Like, this is the Israelite. What's he doing here? And he said, no, we cannot go to battle with this guy because when we go to battle with him, he's going to switch sides. So send him away. So they send, the general, you know, goes and apologizes to David. See, I would have really loved for you to stay, but you have to leave. So David leaves. And he approaches where his family and the families of his men were in, a, in two cities, Ziklag and Negeb. And they see the city on fire. They see the cities on fire because some people called the Amalekites had gone and raided the cities and had taken the children, the wives, and the uh, possessions of David and that of his men. And just imagine a group of soldiers coming back home, thinking they are coming to see relief, and they see that nothing of theirs is left. Guess what? It's because they were following one man called David. And honestly, the David partnering with the Philistines we know it was not a righteous thing to do. 
He went there because he was probably afraid, yeah? And he partnered with the enemy and sought refuge with the enemy. And one of the consequences of partnering with the uncircumcised Philistines or people that were not of covenant was he lost his family and possessions. So the story we are meeting in verse 6 to 8 is basically David and his people seeing his cities pillaged by the Amalekites. Then the Bible tells us that David was greatly distressed. How many of us have felt terrible from the consequences of our actions? Wow, there are a lot of righteous people here. Okay. How many of us have caused trouble for people? And you know it's your fault. And like people are in trouble. Okay. But there are a lot of really nice Jesus people here. Anyway. So the Bible says he was greatly distressed for his own people. His own people. They spoke of stoning him. This is the Old Testament example of council culture. David messed up because they left everything and they followed David. Then what happened? They lost everything. And they were saying, because we believed in you, we believed you were the anointed of God, how would we lose everything? So they spoke of stoning him. In 2020 language, they cancelled him. But do you know the thing, honestly, and I hope we know that cancel culture is a Christian thing. We have to know that now. Cancel culture. It is not of us, regardless of how culture says, or regardless of what culture says. And worse, you should not cancel someone that has the spirit of God. It's one of the worst things you can do. That someone that has the spirit of God, a child of God like you, at their lowest, you choose to cancel them. Now, it is a human reaction, right? Because you've suffered loss as well. It is a human reaction. But because we have the Spirit of God, we are not called to cancel people. When people are at their lowest, we must find ways to encourage and strengthen them. It is not the easiest thing but it's the spiritual thing to do. Amen. So, David was greatly distressed. And, you know, oftentimes we see in our personal lives, we go through things that you're almost as if your life is just a series of unfortunate events. And you, keep, you, you live in some form of perpetual anxiety and fear because for the past how many months or years, you've not been able to record any win. You've only been recording near victories. You've only been recording failures. And you continue to live in 
great distress like David. But for the child of God, we are going to see in this story what we should do next. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Some versions say strengthened. The Amplified says strengthened and encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. Now, what does that look like? In the past, in the past week, we experienced something very painful on a national level. I had people text me, why should we pray? How should I pray? When we've been praying, but it seems like things are getting worse. How can we be children of God and we are still suffering? Meanwhile, I'm asking myself those questions. I'm dealing with those things. Because I was part of prayer walks and protests. So, you're praying in the morning, prayer walks, but you tune in in the night and you're joining almost 200,000 people on DJ Switch's Instagram Live and you're seeing some, one of the most horrible things that you could ever imagine. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? So, I want us to notice something. The Bible says that David what encouraged himself. He did not stop there. He says what? In the Lord. We must understand something like the prophet said that young people, our strength, there's a time that it will fail us. Do we know? Our strength, there's a time that which we glory in, our strength, it will fail us. So we must find something beyond us. Rather, we must find someone beyond us. Amen? So David had lost everything. His two wives, his possessions, his men had lost their families and their possessions as well. Not only that, his people wanted to kill him. But the Bible says he strengthened them, encouraged himself in the Lord. So when we are down, and we are cast out. You must look for something beyond yourself. You must look for someone beyond yourself to encourage you. Hallelujah. And do you know, honestly, one of the ways we encourage ourselves is we remember who we are. We remember whose we are. Forgive me, but this how, I don't know why this illustration came David was in distress, and he encouraged himself. It's almost as, you know, he came to himself. And he was like, my name is Davido. Like, Omar Baba. So, like, it's almost like he remembered. <laughs> Sorry, I know that was corny, but. Was it like, do you understand, like, my name is David. Oh, like, um, um, <laughs> I'm a son of a king. Like, he was reminding himself, it doesn't say exactly that, but you can tell because of the character of David. You can see his interaction with Goliath, and when Goliath was cursing the Israelites and making threats at them, 
He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So you can see as well that David reminded himself of who he was and whose he was. Amen. To encourage yourself in the Lord, you must remember that you are a child of covenant, that you are a product of love, that your God is bigger than any person or any situation. You don't judge yourself by your experience. You judge yourself by who God says you are. You encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. So he calls the priest Abiathar and he says, bring me the ephod. The ephod is a garment that priests wear. And remember, David is not anointed to be a priest. And priests wear that when they want to minister unto God. So he encouraged himself. I can imagine him reciting verses, singing worship songs, and just declaring praise to God. How many of us have had that testimony? When it looks like you are boxed in, but you just burst into worship, and you just feel your spirit strengthened and encouraged. There, is, there are times there is no, no motivational speaker. What does he want to tell you? That what? That, that what exactly? <laughs> what you don't need, you don't need motivation then. You need the spirit of God. Hallelujah. So, see, I know many of us are facing many issues. Lock yourself up in your room and just worship. Just worship, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues if you do. Recite verses that speak of who you are and your identity. That you, the young ones, God has given you um, strength and you have overcome the evil one. That the Bible sees you and looks at you and says you are more than a conqueror. Those are not suggestions. Those are not office titles. They are your identity. Hallelujah. So when you find yourself greatly distressed, you encourage yourself, not with motivational videos, but with the word of the Lord. You strengthen and you encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, honestly, I don't know why these examples keep coming. Um, I imagine, yeah, you know how in the 90s action movies, I really think we need something like that to come back. You know, you've beat the actor. And when I say actor, I don't mean like, I mean the actor, actor, like the boss has beat the actor. Then the actor charges. You know that scene. And you guys can see some of the faces that are going, like there's Van Damme, I'm seeing Van Damme, I'm seeing um, Arnold, I'm seeing um, Stallone, do you understand? Especially Stallone, do you understand? Rambo, all the Rambo series. You know that place, he's charging. Then the veins are popping, ah! Honestly, I don't know why that example. I don't even, movie maker, please, let's bring that back now of actors charging <laughs> once more. <laughs> Woo, Jesse. So David charged, David strengthened himself. <laughs> and he asked Abiata the priest to bring him the ephod and he ministered unto the Lord. 
And this is where spiritual intelligence is important. I'm just plugging an episode of the Art of War here. You can go and listen to it. Spiritual in intelligence is important. We define spiritual intelligence as the discipline of acquiring information, gathering information, analyzing it, and using this information to make strate strategic, operational, and tactical decisions. Yeah? So David, after encouraging himself and ministering unto the Lord and strengthening himself in the Holy Spirit, he proceeds to pray, but pray intelligently. Do you know, when we say we are praying for Nigeria, are you just praying for Nigeria to be good? Do you know how, forgive me, useless that prayer is? Lord, let Nigeria be good. How? That's, I don't understand, like, how? We need to pray strategically, intelligently. So David goes and says, Lord, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? He did not say, Lord, rescue me. Rescue my family. Are you with me? Shall I pursue? He prayed with intelligence. And what did I say is spiritual intelligence? You have information, you analyze it, and use it to make tactical, strategic, operational decisions. He prayed with intelligence. We need to pray deliberate, intentional prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul said that we should not be anxious, but we should what? Pray with intentionality. You said, make your request known. Make your request known. When you pray for yourself, are you just saying, Lord, let my life be good? How? You need to pray with intelligence. You need to pray strategic prayers. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Hallelujah. So this journey from, this, from loss to distress to strengthening and encouragement, and it shouldn't stop there, you move on to inquiry in spiritual intelligence. That's a portion of spiritual intelligence is praying intelligently. So he says, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Your prayers need to be targeted. Hallelujah. Many of us over the past week, we've heard ministers, prophets, share about how we need to think and work like Nehemiah. Nehemiah did not pray that God should build the wall. Do you understand? He prayed for favor so that God will arm him with grace, with strength, so that when he went before the king, he made a specific request. Amen. So when we say build the wall, oh God, that sounds so 2016. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, when we say build the wall, I beg. Um, when we are building Nigeria, we need to Pray with intentionality. So a lot of us over the past week, see, nobody is smarter than this generation. Oh, Jesus, have you seen solutions to our problems on Twitter? This is what these people should have done. This is this, this, this. Oh, yeah, now go do it. Nobody is moving. 
We are so smart. We are so wise, intelligent. But when we are praying, we should pray that God use us for the job. Amen. So praying for Nigeria is really praying for Nigerians and praying for yourself. Hallelujah. Pray intelligently. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And the Lord responded and said, you shall pursue, you shall surely overtake, and you shall recover all. I want to stay on that recover all for a bit. I started this by saying, hurt people will hurt people. Only healed people can heal the nation. So if people keep moving around in pain and trauma, we will grow up to be a generation that lives in pain, and we will lead from that position. And all we will have is stories. But it starts now. So David could only lead when he had personally recovered. We are praying for revival in the nation. We are praying for reformation in the nation. But you should also know that this is a call for personal repentance. It's a call for personal revival. Amen. So if you leave after eating gala, are you littering? Then you now meet police at the, um, what's it called? the checkpoint, and you're complaining that Nigeria is bad and you've littered. Now, that's just a microcosm of, you know, the entire thing. But it starts with us. National transformation starts with personal transformation. David could only lead the army because he had led himself in the Lord. Amen. So he went and he called his people, 600 of them, and he says, the Lord has given us, go ahead. And they go and they chase the Amalekites. But 200 could not follow because they were tired. So David and his men, they go, they meet the Amalekites camping. They were even feasting. David and his men completely destroyed them, rescue their wives, children, and their possessions, then they even get more from the Amalekites. And what happened? They return, and the Bible says that some wicked men, that's of David, said that these 200 men that refuse to follow us, we are not going to give them anything. But David said, no, let them get equally. It, it doesn't sound fair, right? It's not fair now. They didn't go to war. Is that how the gospel is? The gospel is not fair. This past week, um, Eva and I have been learning about justice, what really justice is. And one of the conversations that I've been hearing in circles is some of the people at the front of this movement that I've been hearing from church circles that one of the reasons they don't support the movement is because some of the people at the church movement do not have the same ideology that we have. And I'm like, the reason there are people you think should not be there is because we created a vacuum. And there's no vacuum in nature. There's no vacuum in the spirit world. 
So people will write, like all of us, because we are image bearers, Christian and otherwise, we are uh, made in the image of God. So we have a sense of justice. And if we, the church, create that vacuum and leave that vacuum, of course people will go there and plant their own version of justice. But here's the thing that I learned this past week. We don't just, like, people that have been wronged or suffered injustice, they do not just deserve justice. They deserve grace. Grace is a step higher. So the, product, I mean, the good Samaritan sees someone injured, but what does he do? He takes him to the hospital. Honestly, you know that's okay. You know, that's okay. He saw him on the road injured. He took him to the hospital. But what happened? He covered his bill. Made sure that it covered till when he recovered. Then still came back and visited him. That's not justice. That is grace. So in our clamor for justice, children of God, we must know that our own is to go a step further. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? So Moses said, these people, even though they did not go with us, let them share in the spoils. It's not fair, but it's grace. Hallelujah. Guys, in building a nation, you cannot change a nation in two weeks. It's impossible, unless it's a coup. Even a coup, self. You can't change a nation in two weeks. We have work. We must be prepared for the long haul. And we should pray for grace, for strength, for grit, for patience, for understanding, for wisdom. Hallelujah. We must be prepared to play our own part. So Nehemiah, remember, he only goes to build the wall out of righteous ambition. It is not recorded that exactly that the Lord said, go and build the wall. Are you with me? Of course, we know that God works in us to will and to do, so God must have placed that burden in his heart. So God keeps placing burdens in our hearts. Some of us look around and we see sex workers in some streets. And rather than try to probe and how can we lift this woman or people out of this situation, we proceed to condemn and judge them. Or, you know, all these guys that annoyingly come to wash our, our windscreens. They are coming from somewhere and they should not be there. So some of us, God is going to place burdens in your heart or has placed burdens in your heart, but you dismiss them. So Nehemiah has this righteous ambition of building a wall. He goes, the king gives him um, legal, um, jurisdiction, legal authority to go. And not only that, provide supply for him. This is a pagan king. Supplies him with tools and you know, building materials for the wall. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and speaks to the families of Jerusalem and says, this is how we are going to do it. Every family, build what is in front of you. Amen. 
the way we will build Nigeria is when we build what is in front of us. Amen. So if all of us, we are building the wall. Why does this take me back to 2016? If all of us, we are building the wall, when we step back, we'll see that, oh, oh you know, like building the wall in front of us. We'll see that we've actually built Nigeria. Amen. Please, there is work to be done. The um, abolition of slavery, um, I think it's in the 1700s, um, William Wilberforce and a group of Christians, prominent people, um, senators, rich people, will gather weekly and they will, they will solve social justice issues. And one of the things they said they will target was the abolition of slavery. They spent 18 years chasing that. Wilberforce will present, what's this thing senators do where they, they present the bill every year they will bounce in. Every year they will bounce in. The civil rights movement that started with Rosa Parks um, refusing to get up from the bus, it took 13 years that, of course, now culminated to um, MLK, you know, leading um, peaceful protests that unfortunately getting assassinated. But it took 13 years for it to enter the Constitution or for you know, civil rights to be made law. We have work, and it will take time. So what is in front of you? And before you go and start leading and winning, you must heal first. You must recover first before you can recover all. Amen. Hallelujah. And isn't that the message of the gospel? Where Jesus goes to battle for us and comes back, victory, then calls it out. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, he goes to battle, he goes to war on our behalf, then comes back and he calls his victory, our victory. That is the gospel. That you are more than a conqueror, not just a victor. That you have overcome the world. That you have overcome the evil one. That you have overcome sin. Glory to God. We are not going to live a life free of trouble and of trials. But you can choose to live a life where you are constantly in victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Try by with me this morning. Amen. Are we going to make that decision that we will live as modern conquerors, that we will not forget who we are, regardless of what we've faced, regardless of our experience, of our failures, of disappointments happening to us and we causing disappointments? I pray for healing for you, honestly. I can just almost feel some of us judging ourselves by our past failures, by what we've done to other people, or what has been done to us. But there is more. You can not only recover all, 
you can get more. Enough to spread it all around. Last week we learned, was it last week? Or two weeks ago? That our pain, even last week, we, we talked about how our private victories is not just for us. There are nations and generations that will benefit from our private victories. It is your duty to win and live in victory. Glory to God. I honestly pray that the Spirit of God will help you in this time. Because we should not give up. We have overcome. We are more than conquerors. Amen. Like, you, when you look in the mirror, you like David, you remind yourself, my name is David. Oh. Let's rise. Let's rise. We're going to pray a bit. And now we're going to do a couple of things. You remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. And the failures, your disappointments, the tragedies of your life, you are going to live beyond them and function in the victory that God has given us and function in the victory that Christ has given us. Glory to God. So let's just open your mouth and just pray that prayer. That regardless of the past, regardless of what may have happened, I lift my hands to heaven and my heart surrender to my soul again. You One more time. One of the characters of God that we know is that he's called the Balm of Gilead, meaning that 
there's a healing river that flows in the presence of God. And it may not be the hurt of Nigeria. It may just be the hopelessness that you feel or the fear that torments you over your future. But this morning, we believe God and we believe that the healing river of God is here. And we believe that God can heal you. God, can, God will heal our minds first. Enough to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine. I just feel in my heart that some of us just feel like Nigeria can never be fixed. Like there's nothing that can be done. Let's just walk for the best. But Jesus is inviting you to believe in him. Not to believe in the Nigeria, to believe in his ability to turn things around. He says, when the Lord came over Zion, the Bible describes their experience. It says that we were like them that dreamed. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing because of what the Lord had done. It was spoken of God in scripture that a man went to meet the king, a prophet went to meet the king and said, by this time tomorrow, a grain of rice will be sold for a nickel. And as at the time that that was spoken, neighbors were eating their children because of starvation. And he said, by this time tomorrow, and his greatest advisor said to him, that even though the floodgates of heaven are open, this cannot be. And the prophet said to him, with your eyes you will see but you will not taste of the abundance of God and true to the word as it was being spoken God was ministering to the hearts of three lepers that stood outside the gate and they said to one another why stay here until we die let us move into the camp and see what is there and the Bible records that God caused their movement of their feet to sound like the rushing chariots to the, to the enemy and when they heard of it they fled this was God walking behind the scenes in the thoughts of man and in the actions of the people that he has walked in their hands. And true to the words of God, by that time tomorrow, by that time the next day, a grain of rice was sold for a nickel. Be encouraged, beloved. Be encouraged, beloved. There is nothing that is too difficult for God to do. When God spoke to Zachariah, he did not believe what was spoken. And the angel of God said to him, is there anything that is too difficult for God to do? Beloved, I speak to you in the name of God. There is nothing that is too difficult for God to do. We do not put our trust in chariots on horses, but we believe in the name of our Lord. We are mighty and we have overcome. He says to you, in this world there will be many troubles, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. There is nothing that is too difficult for God to do. There is nothing that is too difficult for God to say. He said, have I not said it? Will I not do it? Have I not spoken it? Will I not bring it to pass? In the name of Jesus, I speak over your life this morning. There will be nothing that will be too difficult for God to do. In the name of Jesus. Do you know what is going to happen? God is going to bring you into a knowledge of him. He's going to start by 
defeating the difficulties that are in your life, defeating the difficulties that are in your mind personally, so that you can say to others, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And you will use that as a testimony. God will give you your bears. God will give you your lions. So that when you stand in front of the Philistines, you will be able to say, who is this that speaks against the armies of the Lord of hosts? You will be brought down and you will be destroyed. Before we go over for Nigeria, God will bring healing to you. He will bring restoration to you. He will bring deliverance to you. He will cause doors to open for you. He will cause you to see that he alone is the Lord of hosts. And then with your mouth, you will proclaim the victories of the Lord till the ends of the earth. And indeed, with our eyes, we will see the victory of God and we will see the triumph of our God. We are mighty and we are strong and we are standing tall because in our day, we will see the victory of the Lord over this nation. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Father, we know that your word will not return to you void until it accomplishes what it was sent to do. We hold on to this world. We believe it and we stand in the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith in the name of Jesus. And we celebrate you for that, oh God. We celebrate our victory. We celebrate our triumph. We celebrate our standing in the victory of Jesus Christ. We know that you have overcome the world. We know that you have done it for us. We know that your word is yes and amen. We stand on the victory of your word, Jesus, and we know that it will come to pass. And for that, Lord, we give you praise. For that, Lord, we give you thanks. For that, Lord, we give you worship. And by the time we are here next week to give you thanks, there will be reasons to give you thanks. There will be reasons to give you praise. There will be reasons to celebrate you because you have encouraged us and we know that we have overcome. We give you praise, God. We give you worship. We celebrate your goodness for in Jesus' name we are praying. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you.